<laughs> have the privilege of opening the word with you this morning. Um, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to be talking about verses 1 through 4 uh, this morning, but I'll read a little further than that as well. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 starts, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Then it continues, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Um, and so, close to Valentine's Day here, I thought we'd start with just that question that's touched on in this passage is, what's on your heart? You know, what's on our heart? What does that look like? Um, how do we process that? Um, what are our thoughts about that? Um, you know, for a group this size, there's probably a lot of different feelings we all experience during Valentine's Day. Things like wondering, hoping, thankfulness, delight, reflection, disappointment, uh, loneliness, questioning. Um, there's a lot of different thing that float, that things that float around in there. There's a lot of different perceptions we have about the heart and about love and about what that, uh, the significance of that in our lives. Um, and, but in that is where, heart, where life's big questions lie, right? Heart questions, big questions. What's close to our hearts? Family, loved ones, um, people in need, uh, people in other countries that we get to minister with, that we get to be a uh, part of their lives as well. What does that all look like? And out of that, I would submit to you that what's in our heart, what we write on the tablet of our heart, as this passage says, becomes our compass. You know, it becomes our, our, our leading our leadings, our desires, our longings, the things that guide us throughout life. So it's a big deal. And I'm reminded of a, a story about a parent here, and uh, Ravi Zacharias, a Christian speaker, talked about his grandson. And just a true story about his grandson was one day they were uh, at home, and his, and, his, and, his, and his mom was running around looking for her car keys, and she couldn't find them. And so after a while, she finally found her car keys, and she said, I must be losing my mind. And his grandson looks at his mom and says, uh, you know, Mommy, um, are you ever going to lose your heart? And to which his mom replied, well, no, you know, of course not. Why would I lose my heart? And he said, good, because that's where I'm at. You know, so. Um, Proverbs 4.23 reminds us, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. It's that What's on our heart is where life's issues flow from. It's where we make decisions. It's where we uh, seek the best in terms of desires, in terms of success. Um, what's greatest, what's nearest and dearest to us, it comes from our hearts. Um, and I think what's interesting about this passage even is throughout the Old Testament, there's lots of references to keeping the commandments. You know, keeping commandments, obeying commandments. But here in uh, um, verse 1, is the only time where it puts it in this term. It says, it doesn't just say, keep my commandments. It says, let your heart keep my commandments. It's this idea that there's something here central to our, our desires or something central to the way we view success that would lead and guide us. Um, and so what's on, what's on your heart? You know, what's on your heart? Um, what do you think about when no one's around? You know, when no one's uh, talking to you, when you're not conversing with someone, what is your, what is your heart, what does your mind jump to? Um, I think that says a lot about where we're at. And 
part of that is do we think about others? You know, do we think about ourselves or do we think about loving others? You know, just an honest inventory of where our hearts are at and where it goes when uh, we're just by ourselves thinking. Um, you know, the Bible doesn't say do unto others so that they will do what we like. You know, it says uh, do unto others as we would want done unto us and doesn't really guarantee what, how other people are going to treat us right? It's about others. It flows to others. It's about others. Um, and I would submit that, you know, the way, the way you define success is based on what you really want. You know, when you're by yourself and you're thinking about what is important in life, that is how you define success. And this passage addresses that, too, about success in verse 4. We'll, we'll get to there as well. Um, what's on our heart? How do we define it success? What does that all look like? And at minimum, I would say, you know, we, there's all the infomercials about, you know, how to invest, how to make money, how to flip real estate, you know, on and on and on, the list goes on. I would, I would submit to us that this is a good investment to think, consider these things, and as um, we talked about this morning, going into Proverbs, becoming wise while redeeming that time by becoming wise. And if you will look at, with me down the chapter a little bit, verses 13 and through 15, with respect to wisdom and with respect to what's on our heart and how love is central to wisdom, verse 13 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than uh, the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. You know, do we believe that? Do we believe that wisdom, what's at the heart of wisdom leads to something greater than we can even desire? Um, many people might submit or think just in terms of, you know, we can get ahead with education, we can get, away, get ahead with hard work, we can get ahead with our finances, our money, our resources that we have. Those are the things that we can get ahead with in life. But I think in the back there, in the back, deep down inside somewhere, there's that thought that something just doesn't feel right, right? We have this, this thought of if we could only get wise before we get too old, or if we can only change things now before life moves along too far, you know, how can we fix our lives, you know, and how can we fix things around us? How can we fix our families, our communities, our states, our countries, our, our country, our world? You know, how can we do that? What does that look like? Um, and with that, it brings up the question, how do we define success? Is success relational? Is it material? Is it professional? You know, how do we define success? What's the best way to define success? And I'm reminded of the watch analogy that I had heard uh, Robbie Zacharias talk about a little bit too. In terms of when we talk about wisdom, when we think about wisdom, when we think about what's on our hearts, if, we, if there was a man who found a watch, and with that watch he decided to hammer a nail with it, it could be a great watch. It could be you know, just a really nice feature, really expensive watch, but to hammer a nail with that watch would lead it to you know, it would break. It wouldn't be good at uh, hammering the nail in. And so we have to understand purpose. We have to start defining purpose. We have to start defining uh, how our hearts lead us to the purpose that God would have for us. Um, a modern person might say, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's relational success, there's religious success, but we need to get to real success. We need to get to what pays the bills. We need to get to what makes us happy. We need to get to what gives us toys. But I would submit to you that it's, it's a lot more complex than that, and, and we'll get to that in this passage here. I'm just reminded of people we think about out there, you know, people who are considered the richest, the greatest, the most powerful, richest, all touched by divorce. Um, you know, we, we think of the richest man in the world. We think of one of the greatest basketball players in the world, Michael Jordan. We think about the most powerful man in the free world, 
uh, our president. And it's not to point out one thing and, and, and just point, make that a sticking point to judge anybody. It's just to say that even in the midst of what we view as the ultimate success in different areas of life, there is still some of that hurt. There are still some of those things that we need to address. And with that, when we address these things, it, it, it uh, answers the question, is it worth fixing? Is life worth fixing? Is our, are our hearts worth molding and writing on? Um, and so when we look at this verse, um, it almost seems somewhat simple, but verse 3 says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. It's almost that idea that this is maybe where Valentine's Day and Scripture come together, right? But even there, it seems maybe a little too simplistic. It seems a little like there's something missing um, from that. Um, God did not create us in his own image. He did not send his only son to die for us and then leave us to figure it out on ourselves. The truth that we need for life is in here. It's, it's in the book of Proverbs. It's in Scripture. It's in this passage. Um, and so the path, right? Is it simple? You know, is this path simple? Is it a few steps? You know, the vision, the goal, the plan, the action, and we get to success? Or is it much more complex than that? Is it like life, navigating through people, navigating through circumstances, navigating through pedestrian traffic, through car traffic, whatever that looks like. Because um, if it is simple, then steadfast love and faithfulness are, can be peripheral. They're not that big a deal. But because life is so complex, the uh, Proverbs reminds us that these are key. These are central to our lives. And so this morning, I kind of wanted to break our uh, discussion up into three points. True love. What is true love? What does this passage tell us about true love? And then, what is love's effect, and what is love's result? So, to begin with, true love. Um, a dictionary definition of love, and I think this is where we kind of start to get some of the disconnect between Valentine's Day and what we read here this morning, is uh, an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something. Um, and in a lot of ways, we could look at that as, as kind of a straightforward way to be selfish, Right? It doesn't depend on really uh, us loving other people. It just depends on us, our feelings, our intense feelings, our great interests, our great pleasures into something. Um, it's, it's this idea of a passive thought, right? We, we kind of sit back and these things just kind of happen. These, these feelings just kind of well up within us to make us happy, to make us loving, to, to, to guide us along those lines. Almost a little cartoonish, right? It, I, I think of that emoji with the big, the big hearts on the eyes, you know, and uh, that's it, you know, just, just kind of smile at something, and those hearts will come on your eyes, and that's what love is, right? Is that what love is? This passage describes it a lot different. The Bible describes it a lot different. Uh, steadfast love is described in the, in the Bible. Fast forward in the New Testament, John 13 tells us, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, first, it's like Christ. You know, singing this morning, worshiping this morning, singing praise songs to God. We know what's on God's heart. We know steadfast love is on God's heart. Um, it's like Christ, and it's for others. Our love is to be for others. It's to be like Christ, and it's to be active. Um, this passage reminds us it's, it's, it's about binding them around our neck. It's about writing them on the tablet of our heart. There's an active process in terms of seeking love, in terms of understanding love, in terms of living love like Jesus lived. 
Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage many of us are familiar with. But again, this definition just so different than the dictionary definition, than what we can often think of in terms of love. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then skipping ahead to verse 13, it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I'm so thankful for our sister this morning who reminded us of 1 Corinthians 13. Obviously, we didn't plan that, but it is that definition by which God calls us to love. Um, Steadfast love in the Old Testament had this idea of being faithful, loyal, kind. Um, it's unwavering. It's, uh, it's in, in the Old Testament, steadfast is used about 204 four times in the ESV translation. 192 of those are with love. You know, steadfast and love go together. There's this idea that love is not passive. Love is just not out there. Love is, is, is an active, faithful, loyal kind of love. And uh, the question, one question for us, even this morning in, in life, too, is, unfortunately, it's one of those things that because it requires effort, because it's, it's complex, because it's, it's so important, it's constantly under attack, right? And attacked by time, attacked by just busyness of life. And so I'm just even reminded of, even as a, as a church this morning, we, we emphasize as a church, and rightfully so, we, we emphasize knowing God. We emphasize engaging his family. We emphasize telling other people about Christ. And we emphasize prayer and praise. But I was just thinking about that mindset where maybe uh, if we get in that mode of trying to check the box, you know, which is the first to get squeezed out? You know, yeah, we, we can rightfully so read our Bibles. We can pray. We can tell others about um, the Lord, but unfortunately, sometimes it's the engaging his family, it's the looking at ways to love other people around us that, gets, that can get squeezed out. Micah 6, 8, and some other central verses that are very familiar to us use the same word um, for steadfast love. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness, the same word as steadfast love, and to walk humbly with your God. And that idea here is loving kindness is the idea is to continue to love steadfast love. It's almost repetitive, right? It's, it's loving kindness is to love steadfast love, this hesed term that's used. Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness, that same word, is on her tongue. It's those types of things that we speak into other people's lives, that we live into other people's lives that affect our children, our uh, our spouse, our friends, our community, those around us. And so for us, you know, the challenge is, is how do we, how are we actively engaging with, with respect to love? You know, how are we serving other people? Who is it in our, life, or in our lives that can come to mind? Are there people in our lives that come to mind that we think of in terms of serving them, of loving them this week, this month? in the week to come? Are there people on the forefront of our mind that we look to serve, that we look to love? Um, and do our time and resources reflect that? You know, if we just look, open up our calendar, open up our budget, are those the types of things that we can look at and say, these calendars revolve around loving others. This budget revolves around loving others. And of course we have times where um, we enjoy things and, and, and we enjoy the, the many gifts and blessings that the Lord gives us. But 
is there also a clear part in our lives where we can point back to it and say, yeah, our life is about loving others. Our life is about steadfast love, and this is why. And to ask those questions honestly, without bias. Um, second part of verse 3, it says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness, so they're going together here, forsake you or leave you. Um, that idea of steadfast love and faithfulness joining together and what we're called to do in wisdom, um, I think is, is um, spelled out here in Proverbs 20. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Um, what's on our heart? It is deep water. You know, we have to dig a little to figure out what's on our heart, what's on our other's hearts. But um, many people proclaim their steadfast love. It's easy to press the I love you button in terms of just saying it. It's easy to, to say we love people. It's easy to say we have warm feelings about people. But are we faithful men and women that can be found, that can be looked at as an example to others? about that Not, uh, oh I think I might have the buttons wrong <laughs> um, faithfulness or truth depending on the translation you have some translations here instead of faithfulness in verse 3 actually use the word truth right and uh, at first that might strike us as somewhat odd but even in English two of the main synonyms for faithfulness are um, correctness and loyalty you know um, Love requires truth, and that's throughout Scripture. We could go through a lot of passages that talk about that, but to love people requires to love them in truth. And just personality-wise, I think there's a lot of us that, that kind of uh, tend towards one side or the other. There's those of us who it's, it's, it's a little easier for us to love and, and be warm, to be um, kind, and to just kind of tell people, for lack of a better term, what they want to hear, right? But on the other side, there's personalities that might tend towards more to like truth, very comfortable in speaking truth, very comfortable to, to tell people what the truth is and what they need to change and how they need to grow, but maybe not with the kindness that's required in that. I love Ephesians 4. It tells us, it reminds us, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Um, speaking the truth in love. You know, God help us to have love with truth and be able to speak it into people's lives. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, love rejoices with the truth. You know, it's throughout Scripture. Love and truth go together. It's precious, and that truth is precious. That truth is precious because it helps us to love people uh, in a better way. I think of this picture um, of, you know, several years ago we had an opportunity to go to Pakistan on a medical missions trip, and uh, one of the hardest and saddest things I think that I saw there was when you hear testimonies of, of moms in Pakistan whose kids get sick because of um, medicinal problems, because of water problems. You know, the kids are getting sick, the kids are becoming dehydrated, the, the kids are on the verge of death. Um, and the moms love their babies like, like many of you moms love your babies. Um, but they felt like not nursing their children would actually help them. Or in other words, they felt that nursing their children was, was, was making their children worse. And in that whole thing, it's that, that love without truth, that love with just kind of a, mis, a misunderstanding, unfortunately, led to the demise of some of those babies. Um, you know, we can love genuinely, we can love sincerely, but unless it's based in truth, unless it's based on what's actually helping people, um, it can lead 
to just a sad state of affairs. Um, on the right is a picture of open heart surgery, um, and on the left is the I love you button on a keyboard. Um, the, se the second part of this is love's effect. When we think about love's effect, you know, what does it mean to have steadfast love and faithfulness bound around our neck? What does it mean to write them on the tablet of our heart? Um, if it were as easy as pressing a button, you know, we could, we could go home and we, we could just do this a lot easier, right? But, uh, but because it's not, it's more like open heart surgery, right? It's more like that moment in someone's life where their heart is open, where they're most vulnerable, where they're, where they're being treated by the most skilled people in our society, um, where they're so vulnerable, where the heart's being worked on, that's more like what we're talking about here. That's more like what it is to write these things on the tablet of our heart. Um, it's software versus hardware, right? If it was software, if it was just a computer uh, that would run a program, that would run an installation package, and we could just press a button, it would be so much easier, right? But it's hardware. It's that, it's that molding of the heart. It's that writing on the tablet of our heart that we're talking about here. Um, and it's that reminder, too, that as we're writing on our hearts, as we're, as we're engraving those things on our hearts day by day, because that's happening all the time, right? Whether we realize it or not, we're, go we're undergoing heart surgery all the time. What we pour into our hearts, what we, what we think on, what we meditate on, that is what our hearts are uh, being molded into. That's what's being written on our hearts. And again, if it's that thing where we spend a lot of our time serving ourselves or thinking about ourselves, that's where we're writing into our hearts. You know, the tablet of the heart in the Old Testament, that, that, tone, that, that term for tablet was used most often of stone. You know, it's not like today we have a you know, piece of writing paper we just write with a regular pen. It was a stone tablet that was being carved, engraved with a certain message. And that's what we're doing day by day in how we approach life and how we define success and what we're seeking and how we're living we're writing on our hearts. Um, the picture here, too, is that not only are we writing on our hearts, but we're also binding steadfast love and faithfulness around our neck. And it's that picture, too, of what's inside, but also what's outside, right? We're binding something around our neck. What is it that other people are seeing in our lives? What is it tangible that people see in our lives where they can say, wow, I know he's a disciple. I know she's a disciple because she's loving other people. She's not only loving other Christians, she's loving people who hate Christianity. She's loving people just because they live near her. She's loving people just because they're in need. Um, what is the outward and the inward testimony of our lives and how is love on those things? Um, 2 Corinthians 3, I love this picture. It says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So a similar picture, you know, a tablet of stone that's being written on that's really your heart. Um, a letter from Christ himself, written by the spirit, with the spirit, for others to see. And so that's the question for us is, are people asking us yet? Even as, a, even as a church body, are people asking us individually and collectively, why do you love the way you love? You know, why do you live that way? Why are you serving others? Is it something that other people can read? Can people read our hearts? Is what's on our hearts readable by other people, and does it read love? Does it read steadfast love and faithfulness? 
Um, and maybe a challenge to us would be, not only do we want to love others, you know, love the people in our lives, engage with people as family in our lives, but also to ask others, to just honest, you know, honest asking and what, how can I love better? What things in my life would tell you that I am loving pe- uh, other people? And if it's not there, what ways can I grow? Or if it's there to a certain measure, how can we increase that measure? How can we grow love and faithfulness in our lives? Um, love's result. So the third item here, love's result. Verse 4 says, you will find good success in the sight of God and man. Um, that's love's result, right? That's the ultimate result. We start with what's on our heart, what's our purpose, what do we look for? Love's result is good success in the sight of God and man. That's what we should be looking for. And so we get into how do we define success, right? Is it, is it the people that we engage with, that we might eat with, that we might converse with, that we might um, uh, serve? Or is it something like what's on the left there where... Um, it's more the niceness of the stuff we have, the, the niceness of that table versus the people at the table. How does love result in our lives? Um, and I'm just reminded again of verse 15, you know, this idea that love's result results in something that is more precious than jewels. It's, there is nothing that we can desire that can compare with wisdom. There's nothing we can desire that compares with the result of steadfast love and faithfulness. It's, if you will, better than some surprise inheritance we would get where we'd all go out and actually buy all those things we wanted to buy, pay off the mortgage, pay off the car, buy the things we've been looking for all this time. To have love and faithfulness around our necks and in our hearts is better than anything we can desire. It's greater than any desires. Like we started, you know, what's on our heart? What do we desire most? This answers that question. This is the result of love. It gives us those things that are greater than what we could desire. Um, those most important relationships, whether they be family members, neighbors, work, wherever that is, there's, there's favor and good success even with them, right? Not all the time, right? There are going to be times where, you know, people say, oh, that, you know, that person just, uh, uh, he's intolerant. He or she's intolerant. He, and, he or she's a, a Bible thumper. He or she is, you know, X, Y, Z. But there is a sense in which overall the, there will be good success found even in the sight of people around us. Um, there will be that testimony that will get through that barrier to speak love in other people's hearts. Um, and so we ask this question with respect to, to, to love. Is love resulting in, a, in something I can look at and, and answer the question, am I doing it right? You know, life flies by. I talked to one uh, dear friend in, who, was, who was 80, and he said the, the second 40 years went by faster than the first 40. Um, and it's that thought, right? It's that thought, are we doing it right because half of life is going to go by fast. And for many of us, half of life is here now. Um, and so that's the opportunity. The opportunity is now. The opportunity for heart surgery is now. And so what can we redeem in our lives to seize that opportunity? And ultimately, the best thing of all is a person who designed and created and loves our souls says, you will find favor and good success. You know, it's not some big process where we're always wondering if we can if we can please God, God looks at those who love his son as perfect. He looks at them. They're already adopted. They're already loved. And so we get to be part of this amazing um, opportunity to exercise steadfast love and faithfulness in such a way that the perfect judge, the creator of all things, the person who designed life, who designed purpose, who designed desire, says, you have found favor, and good success. 
What more could we want? Um, where we started this morning, at the beginning of this passage, it reminds us, it's just got this picture. We talked about how it says, not just keep my commandments, but have your heart keep my commandments. But it also says this, it says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. You know, that's what so much of this is about, right? It's about exercising wisdom, embracing wisdom, clinging to wisdom in such a way that um, when the length of days, when the years go by, we can look back and say we had peace and good success over that life. And that's the goal, right? That's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're looking to do. That's why we, we come to the Word. We ask for God's empowering. We ask for God's strength in doing those things. Um, it could be 10 years, right? We just we don't know exactly what length of days, years looks like. We don't know if that's 10 years, 50 years, 80 years. We don't know how much longer any of us have left. Um, but even in 10 years, we just think of all the changes we would have in a job, in school, in a neighborhood, in just all kinds of opportunities. Think of the last 10 years we've lived. Many of you can just look back and easily see all the changes that have occurred in those 10 years and to realize there is a window. You know, there's a window to exercise steadfast love and faithfulness to those around us. And it closes, it changes Life moves on, um, with or without us. And I'm even beyond 10 years, you know, in the passage here, I even think of 12 months. You know, and many of us can look back at the last 12 months of our lives. Many of us have had losses. Many of us have had health concerns for children or for loved ones. Many of us have had, maybe, uh, have had to move or have had neighbors who have moved away or friends that have moved away. And so even in 12 months, you know, narrow it down to, to a tenth of 10 years, 12 months, there's that idea that that window could be closing, and we don't know where that window is closing. We might have two months to love someone, or we might have 20 years to love someone that's in our life for a, 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 a moment or much longer. And so the question for us is, can we, can we cling to steadfast love and faithfulness in such a way that it won't slip out of our hands, that we can, we can use it to be a blessing to other people regard? regardless of the amount of time we have to bless them. And so God help us to do that. God help us to take this passage, to read it, to, to embrace it, to do the heart surgery, to write it on our hearts, to put it around our neck so that it would be a blessing to all around us and to watch the ripple effect of that. You know, instead of it being something internal, instead of it being something cartoonish, if you will, instead of it being about us, to be about others so that we can bless others that they might bless others as well. So please join me in prayer. Father, we uh, give you thanks for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to, to think about love, to read about love, to look at the passages, just a, a glimpse, Lord, of all you have to say about love. And in the midst of that, Lord, to cry out to you even and just to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you give us to love others, the opportunities you give us to be faithful to others, Lord. And what are we, Lord, that in your perfect design, you would glorify yourself by having your children be a blessing to others. And so we thank you for that opportunity, Lord. We thank you that we can love because you first loved us. And so, Lord, we just plead that you would guide us in this, that you would help us to change what we need to change, that you would help us to have uh, a fresh set of eyes in the ways that you'd be calling us to live in wisdom by loving others and being faithful to others. And we thank you um, for all your precious work in our lives. And we thank you that you get the glory in all these things. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.